the important part of that is the value of the building. That's the only determining factor. And, and when you mm -hmm. bought it, but not so much when you bought it, as much as what's the building basis. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high octane boost of full-on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success with your host, Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Get Real Podcast. Ron Phillips, Heather Marchant here for another incredible show. One of my favorite topics that we're going to talk about today. This is fantastic. In the middle of another syndication <laughs> and in about 30 days, we're going to close. So I'm super pumped to be able to save not only to make money. I mean, deals have to be profitable, but I'm also super pumped to be able to save a huge amount of money on my taxes. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We have Joe here who has saved me. Good Lord has to be, I mean, e easy, easy six figures. I don't know how many six figures. I don't know how many figures of six that have been saved because of Joe. <laughs> a but lot of them. <laughs> a lot of figures of six that have been saved in taxes because of Joe. So welcome to this show. I think uh, Heather's going to give you a proper introduction. This is how I do it, Joe. Heather's going to give you a proper introduction so everybody knows who you are and uh, all about you. Yeah, I'm the proper one around here. Look out. Joe Vieri is the founder and president of U.S. Tax Advisors Group, Inc., and his firm specializes in engineering-based IRS compliance strategies that help owners of investment real estate, which is a lot of our clients who love Joe, reduce or eliminate state and federal income taxes. Ooh. He has been in the cost segregation industry since 2007. So, drum roll. Joe's now, awesome. And now, everybody, now you have everyone's attention, Joe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. well, well, thank you, Heather. And Heather before was asking me about, you know, my background and, and starting, and I'll just make this really quick, but, but prior to getting involved in the cost seg industry, I was working with members of the California Association of Realtors, which is the largest realtor board in the nation. And like at the time that I started with them in, in about 2002, three, four, there were 160,000 members. And I had one guy who kept bugging me all the time about learning about this new technique that he thought would help my clients. And I kept blowing him off because I thought it was the sales routine. And finally, about a year after he bugged me constantly, I said, okay, let's go to lunch. He told me about this strategy, which was IRS compliant and would say owners of property income taxes. So I had a couple of clients that needed it immediately. I had one guy that had, was going to write a check out for $110,000 to the IRS. And I was able to circle back and save him from writing the check to, to $110,000. He was owner of a uh, hotel mm. in San Diego. And so basically in 2007, if you remember, we were on a cliff and then we fell off the cliff. Yeah. We went straight down. Well, my career with the California Association of Realtors ended because nobody was buying property, the members, the membership was way down. Real estate in California was very tough. And so a company that I worked with doing that one project called me up and said, why don't you come work with us? I think you'd be a great fit. So I started working with them and I never slowed down. I forgot all of my other licenses, financial planning. <laughs> I was a financial planner, all of this stuff, which is very boring. And I got involved in cost segregation and it never slowed down. I just took right off. And I've been busy, you know, since 2007. 
Wow. Very interesting. The steep cliff and everything that you dealt with, at least people got to save on taxes before. So that's good. Well, it was weird. Here's the deal though. And I don't know how I fell into this, but I was just lucky to be in the universe, whatever you want to call, call it, is that my clients were the ones that had a lot of cash. Yeah. And while the rest of the real estate industry was falling off the cliff, they mm-hmm. had cash. And guess what they were doing? They were yeah. buying real estate. Buying, yeah. baby. That's right. (laughs) They needed to pay a lot of income tax. So back in 2007, they were going like, wow, this is so great. We're buying all these hotels and homes and apartments. And we have a really hard, a difficult tax position. And now we find out about this. So I got lucky. Yeah, that's cool. Very cool. So our clients have raved about you because of using cost segregation for even single family or multifamily. Ron is used it obviously in the apartment space as well as a couple of our clients who've who are playing in that in that space. But how is this applicable to I guess the average person who's buying rental properties? Well, you know, and that's a good thing. I mentioned the hotels, I mentioned, you know, seriously, one of my clients I saved millions, like 15, 20 million dollars a year, because they're mm-hmm. like a $10 billion company. Anyway, but we've developed another strategy, another technique where we can do, I would say off the top of my head, we can go as low as a $30,000 building basis for any type of building. And obviously most buildings that are under $100,000, between under $500,000 are going to be a single family homes. So we found a new a niche that nobody was catering to. And, and what we've done to get around and the, the constant a comment that I get is like, oh, I thought this was going to cost me $5,000. And I'm going, no, it's going to cost you $350. Oh, should I mention the price? <laughs> anyway, and and so but bottom line is we developed what's called the modeling technique where we don't have to go to the building and we don't have to do a detailed engineering approach to the building. We can look at everything through pictometry software and our, my engineers can evaluate the building with all the information we can basically get online. And then we can turn around and do a statistical analysis that will have the same effect uh, to accelerate depreciation. Very yeah, cool. So cool. It, that's like, it's a game changer for the industry because, you know, cost segregation studies are so expensive. You know, the traditional cost segregation study, it doesn't make any sense to use it on smaller properties, yeah. you know, half million and less. It just doesn't make yeah. any sense until we met you. And then of course it does. And you know, you've done like 60 some odd houses for me and a bunch of apartment buildings. And, you know, in every instance, every little bit helps, right? So, I mean, if you, and then our clients, Heather's used you, and I know a lot of our clients have too, but the ability to use these techniques that the IRS put in there legal techniques that they've put in there to, you know, defer taxes, uh, eliminate taxes for a, for a specific year. Those are gifts from the IRS that they put in there for us to use. And man, people should be using them more often well, here, than they the are. Situation. I use this example is that I'll talk to a client and I'll go, okay, now you're in your single family home. That has a straight line depreciable life of 27 and a half years. And I will say, now look down at the carpet. Do you think that carpet's going to last 27 and a half years? And everybody goes, are you kidding me? One year. (laughs) My tenants, one year. No, but you know, they know IRS has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of building components that they have through the IRS court system 
have designated lives that are shorter than 27 and a half years. So it's legitimate. It's the correct way to depreciate a building if you think about it. You know, yeah. you want to put everything in its right life. You don't want to just divide by 27 and a half. Anybody who has children out there, anybody can take the building basis, which is the acquisition cost minus the land. Land is not depreciable and divide by 27 and a half. And that's why a lot of accountants love straight line because they don't yeah, need me. Easy. They yeah. can easily divide by 27 and a half. They want to do it the right way. They need an engineer to break down everything according to IRS regulations. Yeah. So as far as our clients being able to utilize this, you've been able to help them. And you're also really good at helping them know if they can utilize the write-off with some smart questions I've seen you ask them about their property. Because this is only working for rental properties, right? You can't do this on a primary residence. Correct. I get that question a lot. So so what sort of things do they need to know or does someone need to know to see if this is a good fit for them? Because it I sounds have, like it should work for everybody, right? <laughs> so, well, you know what? In, in essence, it works for, you know, don't ask me like 99, not 99.9, but it works for most people. But here's the two areas that I focus on when I talk to your clients immediately. And I say the losses I'm going to give you, the U.S. tax is going to give you, are whatever type of investor you are. So if you're a passive investor, Joe's going to give you passive losses. Mm -hmm. If you're an active investor, Joe is going to give you active losses. These are accounting terms. I'm not an accountant. Most people will know if they're passive or active. There are some techniques where you can, I talked to somebody yesterday, there are some techniques where maybe you can work with the rules legitimately, but bottom line, it, it, passive simply is, is very understandable. You had in the 1980s doctors who bought buildings with no life at all. They were dilapidated inner city buildings. The reason they bought them, because they wanted the depreciation expense to mitigate, to lessen their income as a doctor. The IRS Congress said, no, you can't do that. So basically, that investor's active income as, as a doctor, his passive income is real estate. So when I give you passive deductions, you can't use them against your primary income. So if your primary income is a nurse or a doctor or an engineer, you ha the, the passive losses. Now, one little technique that every, a lot of accountants don't know is all the passive losses, my passive losses can be used against any passive income. So, you know, what? I, we don't care what it is. So let's say you have 10 buildings and one of them is crazy profitable. And you owe the IRS $50,000 in income taxes. The other nine, you're not, there's no income tax because you've used all the legitimate write-offs you can. Basically, you can use my loss in that one building to offset the, the, the 10th building, which is creating losses. So that's what a lot of accountants don't understand. It, they, you have to group all the passive losses. But at the end of the day, what I tell people is if you can't use passive losses, go to your accountant and say, if Joe gives me passive losses, can I use them? If the accountant says no, I say, don't do it. Yeah. The other one is if you're a flipper. If you're a flipper and you're not going to hold the building for a year and a half, I say, don't do it. There's a component of the tax law called depreciation recapture. And even though we mitigate depreciation recapture, at the end of the day, if you're not going to hold the building for at least a year and a half, I don't even need to go into the calculations. I can just tell you, don't bother. Don't pay yeah. Joe any money because at the end of the day, you're going to spend your time. Your accountant's going to spend time, blah, blah, blah. And I say, don't bother. So yeah. 
Go let's ahead, back up for everybody who who doesn't really even know what we're talking about right now. They don't understand. So let's back up just a second and let's talk about depreciation and then let's define cost segregation just a little bit more like what that is. I, I hear that you're doing a study, but I don't really understand. If I don't know real estate, I'm not sure that I understand what the study's for. I don't know what it's doing. And so let's back up. Straight line depreciation, you defined it pretty well for us, right? It's taking the building and, you know, according to the IRS, its useful life is 27 and a half years. So that's what you get, right? Divide it out, done. Then take that loss against other passive income. How does this study that you're doing alter that? It still has a, I mean, the building in itself still has this 27 and a half year shelf life. So what's your study doing that's making it different for someone like me to be able to save a ton more on taxes? I just did a $100,000 building basis. And if you divide by 27 and a half years, that gives you an expense against income every year of $3,600. Okay. What you get with cost segregation is, is we are going to reallocate the personal property, which has, which has lives of, uh, of 15 and five years. There are some seven years, but in single family home, we don't even model seven years. So it's five and 15 years. And basically we're carving out and I'll just throw out a number to make the math easy, but this is relatively what you will expect, what we expect to find 30%. So out of that $100,000 building, we're going to take 30,000 and you're going to get that as an immediate deduction, the $30,000 against your taxable income. So that means you're going to take, if you, if your taxable income was a hundred thousand and you have a $30,000 loss, now your taxable income is 70,000. Right. So, that's, so in how, the, that's how it affects. In the example that you gave before, where the guy has $50,000 worth of passive income from other building, this would offset because we have $30,000 of passive loss. And now he's left with a $20,000 taxable income rather than a $50,000 taxable income, all because of this cool study. Right. And, and that's all we've done is we've, we've taken the IRS regulated items, r- ruled items. And it's called personal property. So we're dividing the building into personal property and real property. But here's the really cool thing, which a lot of people can't get their heads around. And I'll make it simple. You still have your, remember I said 30, 70, you still have 70% of the building in real property, which is 27 and a half years. Mm -hmm. So when I give you this, this incredible loss, you're still going to get a lot of losses over the next 27 and a half years. So I gave you the idea that $3,600 every year of using straight line, if you do acceleration and I give you that 30% up front, I don't know what it's going to lessen to, but approximately your losses will be maybe 3300 instead of 3600 So yeah. you're still going to get a huge loss. You're just not going right. to get quite as much. And the advantage is the time value of money. If I give you the mm-hmm. losses up front, I want you to take those losses, not pay $30,000 in income tax, and I want you to call Ron and Heather, and I want you to buy more real estate with that $30,000. Yeah, do it, and then, then you do, do it all over again. again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the same, the same analogy I guess I gave a few weeks ago where my husband had his pension. They said, hey, you can get $21,000 now and get a pension payout, or you can get $300 a month when you're, you know, 59 and a half or whatever. And it was a no brainer, right? (laughs) Getting the money now, I can invest it and get 300 bucks a month now and not have to wait. So 
it's kind of a similar concept, I guess, that sometimes people breeze over and say, well, I'm getting it anyway. So what about doing this going back in time, Joe? Can people, what if they've owned a property for 10 years? Can they That's do- That's question. You know, it's funny. I, and I don't have this. I used to say 15 years to, for a look back study, but mm -hmm. I just did one the other day where we went back further, like 18 years, and it's still penciled out and made sense. The IRS, when this all happened, the judge- fighting this case with the Hospital Corporation of America versus the IRS. The judge was so upset with the IRS that he said, look, since you weren't telling the taxpaying public the truth of how they should depreciate a building, I'm going to let them go back in time and they can use all of the depreciation they should have gotten, less, of course, the depreciation they've already taken. Can't double mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So you got to deduct that from the pot. And they can go back. So what I'm looking at for a look-back study is I say, okay, what's the fee of the look-back study? And how much benefit are they going to get? And how much deduction do I have to take out of the of the taxes they've already, uh, the depreciation they've already used over those 15 years? And if it still is a value proposition that the client wants to do, most of the time they will. 15 mm -hmm. years about, then I don't know. Like I said, I found one 18 years that worked. Yeah. Depends on a lot of factors. Huh. Very cool. Is yeah, it more expensive though? We oh, do all the work up front. We, we look at the building, we, we, we decide whether, and we give you the value proposition and it's not in our hands at that point. We say, Hey, do you want to move forward or not? Yeah. That is one really nice advantage is you show a potential, right? Here's the potential. Let us know what you want to do. This isn't guess what you're going to get. So, but those look back studies, you call them when you're going back in time, those are more expensive, right? Than the current tax year study, more work for your team, I believe. Right. Yeah, a little bit more because what we have to do is we have to do the calculations for the accountant. So the good news mm. for the accountant is the hard, heavy lifting in those calculations. Now, yeah. we don't file the, the change of accounting form. We can help them. But, you know, we're not accountants, so we really don't want to get into, into the forms and how they work. So bottom line is we give them the tough part, which is that calculation mm. sheet where now they don't have to do any of those adjustments. All they need to do is just fill out the form. We mm -hmm. give them the adjustments and then they file it. Seriously, it shouldn't take an accountant more than an hour to do the work. Got it. Okay. That's awesome. Because a lot of our clients that come to us maybe have owned rental property before. So they'll come to you with current property they're purchasing for the current tax year. And then they'll say, well, what about these other properties I already own? And you're able to help them with that too, which is awesome. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. So the talk to us a little bit about the depreciation, the five and 15 year, because the IRS, I believe this bonus depreciation is only through 2022, right? That writing off upfront in one lump sum could go away. So what would be the advantage of doing a cost segregation study if we no longer have that bonus? Yeah. Uh, the advantage is that one of the, the important factors to understand is that my losses carry forward. I use the word, you know, forever. But that's not really true. I think it's 15 years max. Mm. But in reality, that is forever because I'll be honest with you. Most people don't own a property for over 15 years. There are some. Yeah, but most very people few. don't. Most people exchange. They they build their portfolio. They get into multifamily, etc. But basically, I think it is 15 year cap. So doing the cost seg now to take advantage of the bonus means that you're going to have these losses if you don't need them this year. And they're going to follow you forward that next, whatever long it takes to the example we use, the 30,000 in losses, you use 5,000 next year, you do 10,000 next year, 
You do ten thousand next year. You, you know until your 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 losses are gone. So you never get hurt with my losses. You can never lose money. It's just again the time value of money. And so yeah. I would just tell folks, if, you know, if you're not going to need these losses for the next ten years, then don't do it. <laughs> yeah. But bottom line is, you know, I would take advantage of bonus. It's not going to be detrimental not having bonus. It's just really cool to take a hundred percent of my losses and kind of boom, give them to you all in one year. It, if it I is don't really give cool. Them to you in one um, year, it's going to be over time. It is really cool. And really, cool. really cool. You know, I, dollar loss. It's through if if it's through twenty twenty two, it may it it may be shut off sooner than that anyway, based on the election. You know, because the new proposed tax plan is insane. So if have you seen, um, have you seen the new tax plan? I, I yeah the pro, oh. the proposed one from from Biden is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So hopefully he doesn't get the the Senate and the House and then is able to uh, enact his tax plan because it, it's horrendous. Not to make this political or anything, but it's horrendous. So yeah. I mean, you feel however you want about him and his personality and whatever else, but his tax policy is ludicrous. Yeah, I mean, he wants to get a he wants to do away with 1031 exchange, stepped up basis, bonus depreciation. You know, I mean, it's insane what he's. Yeah. It'll kill investment in the country. There will be. I'm sure there'll be another loophole we'll have to find, Joe, to be able to make. <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest. Those morons don't pass policies like that without making a loophole for themselves. We just then we'll just have to figure out where it is and find it, right? But I, well, I'd like I, to talk real quick about the depreciation recapture, right? Because I get a lot of questions about that. People are like, "Well, yeah, but why would I even do this? Because if I sell the property in five years." I just got to pay depreciation recapture anyway. So what what's the point? I pay the taxes now or I pay the taxes later. True. And getting back to the time value of money, one of the parts of that equation is if I give you money today, why we set it up for a year and a half? If I give you a dollar today, what can you do with that dollar? Let's say you're going to have to pay it back in a year and a half or two years or three years or four years. Let's make it five years down the road, that dollar. If you put it in a savings account at what is, what's the savings account get one percent interest? Doubt it, but I would say I don't, don't think mine does. Maybe 0.75 of one percent. Yeah, I would maybe. say don't bother doing cost segregation. But what I find with most of, of your clients and Ron and Heather is that if I give them a dollar, they're going to make sure that your IRR, your internal rate of return, is sufficient enough that you're going to take that dollar, even if you have to repay it. If you have the use of that money for five years and then you have to repay your dollar back, well, there, that's still a great deal. So when I look at depreciation recapture, I'm looking at those those things. That's why we've made, and it, I'm sorry, it wasn't me. It was um, CFOs that I know have come up with a year and a half. They say, if you can do something with that dollar, you're a good investor, then you know a year and a half is the minimum that I would look at owning a home. Okay, so that on the table, the, the one other principle I'm going to leave you with and depreciation recapture is without doing cost segregation, you are going to have to take that 27 and a half years and then whatever you've taken in depreciation and pay that re recapture back at the 25% tax rate. This is going to get a little bit in the woods, but maybe I can, you know, at least get somebody to think about this. If I give you and break out the building now into five and 15 year um, buckets. Now you know what that five-year property is. What we discuss with our accountants is 
at the end of that same five years, I would tell the accountants they should decide is how much of that five-year property is really worth what it was five years previous. So it's like a laptop. My laptop here, this bad Dell laptop. <laughs> if I have this laptop and I want to sell it in five years and it's a $2,000 laptop, I can almost guarantee you I'll get 50 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Maybe 10, you know, worthless. And so we're telling our accountants, you should probably, you know, now that you know the value of that five-year property, it's been used. Yeah. Fifth year, 100% of it is off the table. What does that mean off the table? It's off the table for depreciation recapture. It will not be counted toward your 25% tax. So doing cost segregation is an advantage to mm -hmm. depreciation recapture. It's not going to affect it. But even if it does affect it, again, Ron, getting back to, to your thesis, is if I give you an interest-free loan from the IRS for five years you, and you can do something with that money, who cares? Yeah. So if I, I just want to make sure I clarify for everybody out there. If I do a cost segregation study on apartment building and I keep it for five years and then, you know, I decide I want to sell it and, you know, the, I, I sell it for more than I bought it for because, you know, I'm good wrong. at investing, right? <laughs> I'm going to, so I'm going to sell it for more than I bought it for. So obviously I'm going to have a gain and my basis is reduced, right? Because that's what losses do. They reduce my basis. And so I have a larger spread, which I'm going to have to pay capital gains on. What you're saying is that I really wouldn't have reduced my basis that much because I've, I've actually used the depreciation. So it's, it's, it's real depreciation. So whatever portion of the depreciation that I received that was five years I don't have recapture on the five-year pieces. Yeah. I only have recapture on the 15, seven, and 27 and a half years. Well, on the 15-year, then that I would take off the table as a third of that, yeah. five years. And so you'd reduce yeah. your 15-year. You'd, re, re, you'd have all of your five-year. And when I say reduce it or, or all of it, I mean, I would make a claim, you know, not to be greedy, but I would make a claim to the IRS or I would tell the IRS that there is some value left. If I find... $20,000 in five-year property. I'm not going to go to zero and say we used it all up. The laptop still has a $50 residual value. Now, what that value would be is between you and your accountant. Yeah. So I would assign something, but basically I would tell the IRS, hey, my five-year property after five years is supposed of. I've used it up. That carpet could have been twice. <laughs> no, in those I, I don't necessarily five. have to have replaced the carpet no. for it to be used up, right? No. No. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, that's a big benefit. So if you're into a property for five years and you've used up however much that is, and there's not as much recapture, that's a big deal because yes. you don't get to do that on 27 and a half years because you never broke it out. So nobody knows. And so you're recapturing the full amount, right? Right. And yeah. most of the accountants, honestly, it's not to blame them, but depreciation is a, a subject that most accountants tend to avoid. They know enough. They know how to divide by 27 and a half. But when it comes to issues like depreciation recapture, you know, until we explain the thesis behind, they don't even think about it. So your accountants probably would need you to say, hey, call Joe because he's got something that he wants to explain to you. And then you can decide if you, you want to apply because, I mean, if the accountant doesn't want to, I'm not, I'm not giving tax advice. I'm just telling them <laughs> that my accountants that work for me, this is what they would do. Right. And that makes sense. I mean, that, that makes all the sense in the world to me. 
what if you did a 1031 exchange? So what if you sold a property, you'd take, maybe you held it for five years and you'd taken cost segregation, you'd accelerated the depreciation on it and you do a 1031 into a new property and you do a cost segregation study on that. There's a couple of little wrinkles and I don't know what's going to happen with the, with the 1031 exchange rules. They've yeah. changed over the last couple of years, but basically what has happened with the Trump law, the, the, the regs have passed is that you can no longer include personal property in the exchange. Mm. You have to carve that out, which obviously we, we've carved out, but you can't include it in the exchange. So obviously, what does that mean? We're going to have to pay tax on mm. what I find. But again, is it really, of, of all the taxes you've deferred over the years, is it a major issue not to do cost segregation? No. Yeah. But that is true. If you do a 1031 exchange, you will not be able to exchange the personal property. And right now that's the way the law stands. It was kind of a mistake. The, I was told it was a mistake the way Congress wrote the law and they've just never- Most laws that they write are mistakes. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. I, Don't get Ron going, Joe. Don't get it going. Yeah. And, and they said but, they were going to repeal it and go back, but you know, this- they're bigger fish to fry and they just don't. Well, they're, they're busy doing hearings. So yeah. we, we, you know, you can't expect them. You can't expect them to legislate when they're having hearings. Come on. I mean, that's, just, that's okay. too much. Right. That's too much for the couple hundred thousand dollars they make a year for, to expect them to actually do some legislation. <laughs> one, one question I have, Joe, is how do you know, p- picking between two different properties, right? Do you, is there advantages one house over another in a higher depreciation write-off potential. We have only one. There's only three. When people ask me, what do I need to get an estimate from Joe? There's only three three answers. What's the building basis or how much did you pay for the building? Mm-hmm. Because if you pay 120000 for the building and we all in this room agree that nationwide we forecast land of being 20%, now, I'm not a land appraiser, so I'm not going to appraise the land, but I can help a little bit and I can give people some feedback. But if we use, which we do nationwide, meaning Ron and Heather and I, we use 20%. If you take mm-hmm. the $20,000 off that sale, you have 100000 So number one, Joe's looking for the $100,000 for the building basis because the land is not depreciable. He's looking for the date that you acquired the building, and mm-hmm. he's looking for the address of the building so he can see what how it was built, where okay. it was located. How it was built. All the other questions, we call it metadata, I can find online. Mm-hmm. And so basically, the important part of that is the value of the building. That's the only determining factor. And, and when you mm-hmm. bought it, but not so much when you bought it, as much as what, what's the building basis. So obviously, if you want the most appreciation bang for the buck, then buy the house that's most expensive. <laughs> what about like some of the fixtures? What about the more, like, what if it's a duplex Versus a single family home that are the same price. Does it matter? Negligible. No. Huh. Okay. No. Cool. So Joe, is it, and this may be a tax question, which, which may not be appropriate for you, but if I buy a property and I tend to hold it, so I do a cost segregation study, I write off a bunch of stuff year one, year, year and a half goes by and somebody offers me some kind of stupid money for this property. So I decide to sell it. The gains that I now have go from if I'd have sold it, you know, 60 days after I acquired it would be a short term or would be a long, uh, excuse me, a short term capital gains. Mm-hmm. But I will have moved into long term capital gains, which reduces my tax 
burden anyway, right? So even if I have recapture, I'm still money ahead, am I not? You know, you're right. This is a this is a tax question. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, everybody out there, forget that I asked that question to Joe, and I Ask will. No, but but, but I will Ron redirect that to my accountant and get back with you all on it. But it's certain. So Ron, is, Ron is correct. Just so everybody knows, it's just that you know that's kind of crossed the line into tax questions and. Fairly, I'm not, a, you know, to be fair, I'm not an accountant. So. Joe is not playing an accountant today, nor is he an accountant, and neither am I, and neither is Heather. So, yeah. but I will ask my accountant. He's been on the show. You guys know him. His name's Warren. I'll ask him about that, and I'll get back to you guys. I, I've got another question. Sorry. I get all the questions from clients. So I'm like, all right. So the bonus depreciation that Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that you know, started this whole thing, which we love. What are the parameters in being able to use that bonus depreciation of writing it all off in front in year one? Is it apply to all properties? Can I have a property I bought 10 years ago and utilize that bonus depreciation? Let's say you're a passive investor and you mm -hmm. bought properties, you know, in 2005, 10, 15, and then a bunch in 2020. I'm going to give you a bucket of passive losses that you're going to use against okay. all the income of those buildings. Okay. And they're all passive investments. Now, oh, now one thing I do did want to um, explain a little bit, I think it deserves a minute. So timing. If you have a married couple, there is a, a rule in the tax law and I'm looking at two right now, I believe Ron and Heather that designate tax professional. Yeah. Okay. What is a real estate professional? Okay. What yeah. does that mean? It's a really simple, everything, what I do, it always sounds simple, but it, it's layered. And so maybe it's not <laughs> quite as simple. So I'll use the fatal word of saying it's simple, but basically what they're saying is if you devote 750 hours per year to real estate, you're now a real estate professional. What's that mean? All the losses that Joe uh, give you are all active. So you can use it against all of your income sources. So yeah, 750 magic. hours a year. So that's not a lot. And for you that own multiple properties, or maybe your spouse could be the real estate professional because maybe the spouse can help you manage your properties, collect the rents, mm -hmm. get, the, get the people out there to rent the property, lease the property, et cetera. And, and if you do the math, that's 20 hours a week. But now that's 20 hours a week doing anything real estate related. So let's say you're watching this podcast. I would have my little book and I would put, oh, I watched the podcast for one hour. That's one hour of my week that was devoted to real estate. And let's say you fly somewhere and you're really interested. You go to the Keys and you're going, I, I think that maybe, you know, there might be a house down here I want to buy. I would go look at some houses. There's a house everywhere I want to buy, Joe. <laughs> well, you're getting the point. I'm trying not to you know, give anybody tax advice, but you get the point that I would not be put off too much by the 750 hours because mm -hmm. real estate does take time. And as long as you could, and what I would do, this is Joe only. I would have a book. I point out, this is my book. I would have a book and I would categorize, because if the IRS ever looks at you in the eye and they say, how the heck would you spend 750 hours? You pull out your book. Right here. This is how. Yeah, I put I put it on uh, HGTV, <laughs> and every day I watch at least five or six hours of HGTV. <laughs> Property Brothers counts, right? I'm uh, sure. Well, you, you <laughs> say that time flop. is cheap, 
I would say yes. How about flip or flop? This? That works. I mean, and, and if you do that in the plane, you can download them. You do it in the plane on the way to the keys. <laughs> You've double dipped. That's double arbitrage right there. <laughs> I would definitely take your iPad when you go in, take a shower. I get one of those waterproof ones. And I would watch Ron's podcast when I'm in the bathroom. There you go. Yet another reason to subscribe, people. This counts. You heard it here first. This counts. And I'm glad we did those bonus episodes, Heather, because that's going to push people probably over the edge. That's yeah, probably that's what's going to do it. That's true. The 750. I have a lot of clients that will keep the paper log, like Joe mentioned, because accountants, my accountant and Ron's as well, told me, he said, I wouldn't do a digital log. I would do a paper log. So that way the IRS could never come back and say that you altered it, you know, or whatever. So with a date stamp, if that makes sense. So then, and I've heard some crazy things people write off as far as their 750 hours are concerned. And your accountant is going to give you good advice on that. So yeah, check with your accountant. We're not accountants. And so, I don't know uh, if HGTV actually works. The idea is obviously if you file jointly, then obviously the spouse will create the losses that you can apply to active jointly. Mm -hmm. So right. if the other spouse is a doctor. Now you can use these losses as active to go against all of your income because now you're active investors in real estate. And it's a beautiful, That's powerful. It's oh. a beautiful thing, everyone. Yeah. It really is. Take it from people who, yeah. have the benefit of being real estate professionals. It is a beautiful thing. So, well, I mean, if nothing else, it can take you, even if you only buy one property and you write it off against your personal income, it can take you out of the top tax bracket. I mean, it can make, it can be a game changer for your whole entire tax situation, even if you're only doing one study a year. So yeah, highly lucrative. Okay. And so as far as the real estate professional piece, the only the one thing I would add too, is that it has to be your main source of time spent. So the 750 hours, and then you can't work a full-time job and file taxes as a real estate professional. That's a simple Google search, not accounting. Yeah, and it's, stuff. it would be pretty hard to prove that you did 750 hours if you're working a full-time job anyway. So yep. I think this has been great, Joe. I learned Gosh, I don't know how many years ago I learned about this, but it was a game changer for me. It's been a game changer for tons of my clients. Hopefully everybody out there found some really big benefit in this and understanding what it is and what it means, how it works. And that, you know, if anybody out there wants to work with Joe and they can reach out to us, we'll, we'll get you in contact with him. Invest in RPC, invest.com. One thing too, that we didn't really address, it's almost cruel that we're, you know, sending this out in November, because if you put a property into service by December 31st, you close on it, have a tenant in place, you get the write-off for that year. So we are busier than ever right now because... Mm -hmm. We've educated our clients on cost segregation for the last couple of years, and they all know it, right? Including myself. I'm closing on a fourplex this week and a triplex before the end of the year, all so I can send them to Joe apartment, and get Apartment the building before the end of the year. That's true, apartment um, building. <laughs> yeah, and if you're out there looking at syndications, if you're looking at properties for you, if you're looking any anything that you need tax write-offs for this year, you need to make sure that they're going to close this year, right? Yeah. So, you know... If you need some help, reach out to us, invest at rpcinvest.com. We can help you out. Joe, really appreciate your time. No, thank you. I definitely recommend, and I do, to anybody out there who is looking at investing in real estate, that Heather and Ron are pros and they know their stuff. Thanks, so they thank you. absolutely 
no issues about who you should call if you're looking at investing in real estate. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it, Joe. Okay, everybody, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, give us a review, share us with all of your friends, pass this around. This is an important episode for people out there, so make sure you share it. Till next time, make something happen, guys. Get on made you don't the clock's ticking. <laughs> clock's ticking on this year. If you're gonna make something happen, you better make it happen right now. All right. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.